Welcome to the trap, welcome, welcome to the trap. Welcome to the trap, welcome, welcome to the trap. Let's go. Zen, trap, zen, trap, zen, trap, zen, trap. Protect your peace, protect your energy. Welcome back for another ZTP, Zen Trap Perspective. I'm one of your two hosts, Zen P. Yogi LG. The mission here at the Zen Trap Podcast is to inspire and empower people to continuously seek internal peace to maximize their personal potential. We got an exciting, life-changing episode for y'all today. For sure. Yogi LG, why don't you tell them what we're reviewing? All right, so typically we cover, you know, videos or books that we're, you know, reading, watching, found. This is kind of like a series that we found on uh, HBO Max. Found one of my favorites, Brene Brown. Um, It's called Atlas of the Heart, uh, and it is a powerful tool uh, where she talks about uh, language. And because the topic of the month is communication, uh, we felt like this was right in line with what we wanted to talk about. Uh, So, P, give give me your general overall overview of what you learned in this five episodes they all like 45 minutes each five episodes this is the first season it's gonna be another season i'm thinking it might be like three but my overall on overall on the the series uh this is a series about how to put verbiage to your emotions it defines words and terms that are for your feelings that in some studies, I guess, in the psychology community could have some, not necessarily controversy around it, but debate on what the actual definition means. This kind of puts us in the same playing field so that we're using the same terminology, working from the same playbook. Absolutely. Couldn't couldn't agree more. I think uh, overall, the, what I found is that it's kind of like, hey, in order to connect with someone and have human connection, you kind of have to understand what they're feeling and understand what they're going through. And you also have to understand what you're feeling and what you're going through. So let's just make sure we have meaning to the feelings that we have, right? And like making sure we're not just calling it sad. Uh, I think it starts with a study that she said like they did a huge study and people like all these people came up with like three emotions. It was like happy, sad, hurt or something like that. Happy, sad, mad or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was just amazing that that's pretty much the most common three. There's so many more emotions um, that we need language to. So I, I want to I take this back a little bit. When we had an episode before, this is kind of what I was talking about that should be taught in school. I still feel. Oof. I feel this is language. Part of language, I yeah. think there should be a class on emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence just being how to put verbiage to what you may or may not feel. Now, yeah. just because you know the definition of the word don't mean you'll ever feel it in life or may. And you may have your own definition, clearly, because it's almost like philosophy where you could almost put your own term or slang to it. And then, of course, words have different meanings. But in general, this is what I would like to see inside of either a PE or just a separate type of class in general. Words on your emotions so that you can at least know how to say what you're feeling. Yeah, I mean... That's a good point. I think uh, in certain, I think it would be a good thing for everybody to have this kind of verbiage. When you're growing up, I can imagine being like 10. I can remember not knowing how to describe what I'm feeling. I just like, I'm so overwhelmed with feeling. I just cry. What's wrong? I literally do not know. But think if your parents don't either. Yep. Think if they don't know either. They can't even help you 
talk you through kind of what you're feeling and what you're going through. So um, did you learn something unique? Like what was the, I, I learned so many things and I'm sure you did. So what are like, what are the standouts for you? What's something that you learned? I was like, oh, I've never heard that. Um, it's so many things that I learned that I never heard. I can start with the first one. I'll start with a happy one, I guess. And one that can kind of start off with the depth at which we went. Schadenfraud? Yeah. Is that the term? Did I say it correct? Fraud? Uh, no, it starts with an S, so I know. Yeah. Schad Schadenfraud? Yeah. That's like a... Go ahead. You want to describe it? Yeah, for sure. Schadenfraud. Shameful joy. Yeah. So I put duality just beside it because it's almost... Taking pleasures in others' discomfort, to be specific, though. So, schadenfreude is not just being happy because you made it out of some terrible situation or you were able to achieve something. You also are happy because this other person specifically is, is swimming in discomfort. Now, you may be feeling like this person deserves it or something. Maybe they had it coming to them, karma, whatever you want to call it. This person, you just don't like them. But you taking joy in them feeling discomfort or their emotional discomfort, that is schadenfreude. All right. Never heard that word before in my life. Yeah, I think Ever. it's like a German term. German term. Yeah. Uh, love, if we could go back to just talking about what the series is and, and why I thought it was so helpful for me. She uses movies as examples, too. Yeah. Lots of art pieces. It makes it more of a conversation, not just a lecture. So those are like the best teachers to me to make things a conversation. But using the movie clips, I love movie clips. I told you when I was younger, that's how I learned a lot was from TV and things. So using movie clips to show emotions and kind of explain those definitions as well definitely helped me out. What's a, I guess, a term or something new you learned in there? Uh, something new I learned was that she talked about, she was talking to this dude about the grass always looks green on the other side. And he was like, oh, it actually is. And I was like, uh-oh, please teach me something. But they talked about how grass grows and basically standing in your own yard versus viewing somebody else's yard. Literally, the grass will look greener um, because of the angle that you have, right? Never knew that. But also the term applies in so many ways. But that's Yeah, it's something about how the sun hits it, yeah. too, so the other side of the grass is not. That's a random fact pickup that has nothing to do with, that's like surface level compared to the depth that he went. But nah, nah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. I mean, something new uh, just, It was just something that I was like, man, that's the concept. And then to use that and apply it on a more deeper level that I have to recognize that things over there may, may literally look better. That's social media. That's all. Like, that's like, all of that's that. All... all those influences may look better. And the reality is our grass may be the exact same color. Or my grass may even look better from over there. It just depends. Like, it just, you will never know. I can remember for social media telling all my friends all the time. Or when somebody comes up to me and just be like, Paris, you be having a ball. You be doing this. I'm not negating that I don't be do or do not be having a ball. I'm just saying don't make that declaration just off of social media because... I can personally, and I know a lot of people can too, make anything look fun for 15 seconds. Come on now. 15 seconds. I can be going crazy. Uh, <laughs> I can make, it could be nobody, <laughs> nobody in a party, just like people, promoters holding the line, film some like crazy little corner section, make it look like it's going crazy in there. Ain't nobody in there. Ain't nothing happening. Nothing. Sad. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, let's get to... I think both of our favorite section. What's your favorite bar? I know we got a bunch that we can go through. 
Favorite bar section or even favorite emotion that you felt like it was good to just talk about? Favorite, one of the favorite bars I had was a term she used for what I preach about all the time is them Debbie Downers, candle, candle blower outers. Uh, yep. That ain't nothing but a Debbie Downer is how she defined it. So I learned a long time ago, I, I used to not really enjoy words. I felt uh, having a limited vocabulary could be enough to get you places in life. And I still do for a certain sense. I just feel like we learn a lot of things. Um, what's the word I'm trying to say? We learn terminology for a lot of stuff that we somewhat already know. It's almost learning the word that defines what you've actually been doing. So the Correct. same applies with emotions. Yeah. You've been doing a lot of these things your entire life, but you've never really been able to put like a word right. to it. So uh, me calling something Debbie Downer, her calling a candle blower outer, I felt like a lot of terms and stuff where that's what kind of learning is, figuring out that term to put it on. So she describes candle blower outer as you go to a friend, they're excited to tell you some news, and and some way it's multiple ways you can blow out their candle you are taking their news and then not celebrating with them you are blowing out dimming their light dimming their light blowing out their spark their candle yeah. still in their joy what about you um all right so my probably my favorite section uh was favorite probably, bar oh favorite bar all right cool um we're wired to compare be like everyone else but better so she was talking about how we shouldn't compare, we shouldn't compare, but it's almost like we're hardwired to compare. So it's going to happen. What are you going to choose to do with it, right? Um, so I thought that was just a bar in general. There is so many bars in here, though, uh, for sure. We could go through every episode, yeah. and this could be an hour long, two hour long of just talking about what we learned sure. from five episodes. I did like in the beginning how she introduced it that – we're going to have to tackle this together. It's very similar to Nedra Tawab's book, Boundaries, on saying learning these things and exploring your feelings is going to be a bumpy, uncomfortable ride full of yes. conflict and emotions. So getting to a place of discomfort should not be an unknown thing. You should not be surprised when you are feeling uncomfortable. So I really like that she started with that and... Then again, just kind of went straight into it. Bing, bing, bing on the words that we're going to describe with the examples and stuff. So another bar that I just want to throw out there was another definition for boundary. Um, and it was like the distance to where I can love you and myself um, simultaneously. Yeah. And I thought that was really good too. And, and I wrote that one down too. And I just wanted to be sure it don't, it don't truly matter but that wasn't a Brene Brown bar. That it was, was not. it was not a Brene uh, Brown. Do you bar. have her name? Uh, I do not. I, don't I, know. I, I definitely her wrote her name down just because I was going. Black woman. She was real cool. Looked yeah, real I swaggy just, on the I video. wanted. I wanted to make sure I gave her a shout out for that definition yeah, for sure. Good. I think her name started with a P. I definitely need to. Uh, Apprentice uh, Hemp Hill. Being able to love and still keep our integrity intact. And then the last thing you said, comparison, uh, being the thief of joy, um, that was a big section for me too as well. The biggest yeah. part I like or thing that I learned new was being able, again, you, you need to watch it. <laughs> you absolutely need to watch it. We, I used to, I, I say this to you a lot, or I used to, and I'm probably not no more just from learning this because I feel that this is a better way, not a correct or wrong way, a better way for me. 
there isn't a long stretch between differences of of people and different levels and things whether you're standing above somebody or below somebody you're not putting yourself on the same level as them yep charlie Gaines, when we interviewed him said it his definition of empathy or compassion was being able to see himself in everyone Absolutely. That resonated with me. So yeah. com- comparing yourself to see yourself as that person versus comparing yourself to see yourself as better or worse than that person are two vastly different things. But what she was saying was, which I thought was powerful, that I'm better than everyone and then everyone is better than me are standing right next to each other. Those are not different. So you thinking they you have this pool not- of people that you are so much better than. It's not no different than you thinking some other people are way ahead of you and better. Those are two are in the same playing field, same arena. You still are placing judgment on people and thinking Man, that your circumstance yeah. is so much better. Yeah. Love that. That can go to almost so many different episodes yeah. of stuff that we've seen. The Lisa Nichols of you don't get to put me on a pedestal because that takes you off the hook for yeah. what you need to do for yourself. Does it make you feel... You don't make get to make me seem extraordinary. To dim your own light. Yeah. To make yourself feel ordinary. Put yourself on the same playing field. Yeah, absolutely. Real good. All right. Um, I'ma just throw another question out here. What was your favorite emotion that she talked about? Well, I think this goes to my favorite section. This kind of builds all okay. into it anyway. Let's go. Um, and I like what we're talking about here anyway, because it'll go into what our topic is gonna be next month, which is awareness. I think Ooh-hoo. all of these are going hand in hand, and that's yeah. just God's time. Come on now. <laughs> My favorite emotion was the last episode. And before we go into talking about that, that was my favorite section, favorite emotion. Um, I want to apologize to you after watching it. I can say from watching that episode, when I say I've been struggling with empathy, I've never really found a book or show or anything that could really describe to me what I'm struggling with and how somebody may receive it. Mm -hmm. So from that episode with the examples and the definitions and stuff, I can say I've probably done 90% or I could see how I've done 90% of that stuff and you could perceive it that way. I know my, I know intentions, intentions is really what matters or yeah, intentions matter. So of course it wasn't my intent, but I just want to apologize if you ever, ever even thought that I was a near enemy or a far enemy. Definitely not my intention. Definitely. And like I said, I go into the section now. That section is all about empathy, compassion, and defining what a far enemy and a near enemy is to those terms. So, again, just wanted to. I got you. I got you. Intentions matter. So that, that, That was my favorite section just because that's my biggest area I think I could learn from. I've learned even the way she talked about it. Empathy is a skill. It's a learning skill. And I I can see how that's controversial. And taking that skill, being careful to make sure that learning the skill set of empathy still has the feel to it, even though I can't control that feel. Either way, I I guess I'm I'm rambling here. (laughs) I just want to make sure that was my favorite section. I'm going to have to watch it multiple times. But that, that was my biggest growth area. And there are plenty of lessons and ways that you can learn. I like how she even said there's no real right thing you can say. Because where I struggle the most is me specifically with empathy 
is I'm also naturally a very sarcastic person as well. Mm-hmm. So when you put, if everybody thinks that 90% or 95% of everything I'm about to say or do is jokey or, or is playful, when I'm trying to be serious, even coming out with those emotions on the empathy side, you can say, oh yeah, you don't, you don't really mean that or you ain't. And it's, it's, it's tough for me personally to try and get out of that where it's like, no, I do. I don't know how to say it in a way to show you that I do. I don't like you are perceiving it sarcastically and rightfully so, because I do some sarcastic things, but this is real. So something is better than nothing, but definitely have tools for how I can make sure that I don't take the skill set and still use it as a way to control the narrative, control the outcome. So it doesn't come across as feeling that I'm trying to get you to come through this so that you can accomplish some other underlying goal that I have. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What was your favorite section? Uh, my favorite section was probably one. I just like envy versus jealousy and clarifying what that is and those differences. So I really enjoyed that section. Um, just how technically jealousy is being jealous of like a relationship that someone is, someone else has with someone and you're jealous of that relationship. That is kind of jealousy versus envy is kind of like, you know, oh, somebody else is going on a trip. I want to be on that trip. Oh, I envy you. But envy just sounds so harsh. So we almost use them in reverse. Um, and so I thought that was a really good section. So that was probably uh, one of my top sections. I, I have watched this multiple times, guys. So uh, I am very familiar with most of these uh, emotions. But I also really enjoyed the reverence section just because that's something that I struggle with. Um, reverence with family, with religion, like it's several layers. What's reverence? To that. Uh, reverence is, let me see if I got the definition. Um, I'll say what the, the definition that I wrote down or the bar I wrote down from that er- area is reverence feels like performative admiration. And that was a very a very tough phrase for me because sometimes reverence is, it does feel performative, especially when you talk about like for like elders or people you don't know that your parents like, Oh, I want this person. I want you to meet this person. You need to do something for them. They, you know, they did. And you got to do this reverence of like this person that you don't really know or don't really care about. Um, so that was probably the, a really, really good section for me uh, talking about that. Yeah, and I wrote down for what I wrote down for reverence, similar to what you said, is complicated respect. So traditions and stuff that have been upheld and you have someone else trying to tell you what is deemed as respectful and not respectful for your whole, our family doesn't do this. So you are part of our family. So you shall not do this. You won't embarrass me. That kind of stuff. Mm. That's that's just a tough one because it's almost like going against your morals and values and you teeter that line of like, where is reverence? Like, how do I, how do I give reverence to what I feel is deserving to reverence versus just giving reverence to things I've known in the past that I'm supposed to give reverence to? That's when it feels like performative for me. All right, cool. Um, let's see. Let's something you would share with your loved ones about this. Like, hey, you need to watch this. This is so good because of what? Uh, hmm. It's so many. I think I would just recommend they watch it in general from what I said earlier, just to get the verbiage down. It's so many different areas. So you watching it, I can't tell you what you're going to get from it because of what you got going on in your life. It's going to be some word or feeling in there that is going to resonate with you. So I would just tell my loved ones to watch it. 
if I'm speaking from where I'm from and the people I know, I think a big one for me would definitely be either the, the reverence or nostalgia versus memory. A big section in there about yeah. what nostalgia is versus actual memory. A lot of time with nostalgia, we like to reminisce on only the good things and we don't remember the struggle things that also happen. Yeah. We make it. And in some instances, we make stuff up for nostalgia just because to make us feel good. So sometimes it's even a little bit delusional. So going in between kind of fact and feelings when you're going through nostalgia and memory about old times and things that, yes, they may have served you to get out of that time or it was good for your, I mean, it might not have even been good for you. And by good for you, does that help you get to the desired outcomes that you have in your life? Does that help your health? Does that help you connect more with people? Those things, whatever you define as good for you is. So I would really recommend just watching it and find what, what speaks to you in there and focusing on that. What do you, what you desire to improve on? What about you? What would you tell your um, loved ones? I think the, the compassion and empathy episode in general is just one I would recommend to almost everybody. Just I'm glad they did that one last. I, it, was, it was so good because it talked about how you connect with people through compassion and empathy. And that's such a big part of how you connect with people. And so I think I would recommend that to my, my loved ones, my friends, just because we kind of, your family is people that you didn't really get to pick, but we still want to connect uh, with them in a very meaningful way. So for me, learning compassion, uh, practicing it as a daily practice, as they call it, and the skill set of empathy is just super, super imperative for relationships in general. So I think that would be the, the number one thing that I would say. Uh, you you If you could get a tidbit from this, it's going to watch episode five of Atlas of the Heart. It is a... It's Especially powerful. if you feel like you're one of those people who struggle with feeling things or... I've definitely been that person to say I'm I'm probably not the person you want to talk to when you're having emotions all over the place because I struggle with empathy. After watching this episode, I think I can I definitely see ways that I can improve in empathy and be there for someone. I love the example she gave, which I feel like I do now, but I definitely have better ways to do it on asking what kind of support do you need. Mm-hmm. I love to be able to flip it back around on the other person to say Hey, how would you like me to support you? What does in support this? look what like? What does support look like yeah, for you exactly. right now? Does it yeah. look like me just listening, you venting about it? Does it look like us talking about something completely else to get yeah. your mind off the day? Does it look like us talking about that and doing something else, a mix of both? Putting it back on the other person puts it back on them to have a level of awareness to know what they need in this moment. So yeah. if they don't know what they need, guess what? Time the, help you. Back to the drawing board for them on. You need self-awareness to even be in this kind of connection game to constantly know that how you are right now may change in the future, but I'm asking you right now. So you don't even really need to think about that. What do you need right now? And to know that you need a level of awareness. You do. Absolutely. And that can help bring you to know like, oh, maybe I do need a level of awareness because I can't even tell this person how they can help me right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. um, Do you feel like you saw something in this book that you like, oh yeah, I'm I'm a change from this. Like I know you said it was life changing in the beginning. Uh I know yeah. empathy and compassion. I knew when I saw it, when I watched it the first time, I was like, oh, this is a good one for Paris. Uh just because I know that's what you struggle with and you, you don't mind being open about that. So is there anything else that you feel like you grabbed and was like, man, I'm gonna grow in this area just from watching this and seeing this. 
Mm, it's it's other areas for sure. I I now am a fan of vocabulary. Um, I've done the flip that I thought, as you say, when you're younger. Oh, I ain't gonna never act like them when I'm older. I ain't gonna <laughs> never do that. I still ain't reading the newspaper though or watching the news, but yeah, we'll I'm see. Give me till sixty, maybe. Yeah, you say it now. Watch the news at sixty. I don't. I don't. I still don't think I will either. But um, I can jump in. If you please want. jump yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So, uh, one thing I felt like I've learned, and I think it's gonna change me and shift me, is uh, when she first kind of starts talking about this, she intros in you into what we're about to do, right? And she starts talking about emotions having ingredients. And the first ingredient in that is actually what you feel. And so what you're actually feeling is the first ingredient to emotion. The second is the language for those emotions, uh, what you're going to call it, per se. And so I thought that was really powerful, recognizing that, like, I can feel something, but another part of me feeling that is what I'm going to label it as, right? And so another section that I think really got me or, or was good for me was talking about being overwhelmed versus stressed. And I'm experiencing a lot of that in my current life, right? Like, am I overwhelmed right now or am I just stressed? And she used the analogy about uh, when she was a waitress, how she was like, I would, I would have a lot of tables and I would go to somebody and say, I'm in the weeds. And that just means, hey, can you grab water for them? Grab the dinners for this, this, and this table. And then I'll kind of be caught up. I just need some help. Versus going to her, you know, coworker and saying, hey, I'm blown. I need a minute. So blown is being totally different. I need to go outside, take a cigarette break, smoke, whatever, chill. I need 15 minutes to do nothing because I'm just overwhelmed. That is kind of the difference between being stressed and overwhelmed. And that just gave me so much verbiage for, for how I feel because I don't want to say I'm overwhelmed when I'm really not. And I don't want to say I'm stressed when I'm really not. If I'm overwhelmed, I need to be able to articulate that because that is the second part of me actually having a full emotion is what I labeled that. So I thought that was super, super good. That It definitely shifted uh, me in a way. All right, so question. How would you personally handle if you have a friend who is overwhelmed a lot on mm -hmm. a consistent basis? And it could be, a, or a coworker. Like mm -hmm. you said, you come in, coworker. Or I guess how I'm trying to word the question, do you feel like a friend or a coworker, and I guess those are two very different scenarios, can... Not cry wolf. That's not the word I'm looking for, but use the I'm blown too often. Too often. Do you feel like yeah? Is it? yeah and how would how would you handle that though? Uh I mean she another thing that in in the Atlas of the Heart she talks about is when people use this language, we don't believe them. Yeah. And that's a big part of it is believing that someone is using the right correct language so in that example if i had a friend that i felt like was constantly overwhelmed or a coworker, i'm like hey are you really overwhelmed to where you like need to take some time or are you just stressed and you need some help if they clarify that they're overwhelmed and that's their situation all the time to me you need you need a support system so you have to problem solve at that point I can't be that problem solving for you, but I'm going to draw it to your attention. Like, hey, you're constantly overwhelmed. You might need to talk to somebody or you need to get a support system around you to kind of get you to a place where you may have a lot of things on your plate, but you can manage a little bit better. You can't live your life overwhelmed. Like, you're going to need a break all day. Like, which it kind of leaks into, like, depression and things of that sort when you literally can't function because you need time all the time because you feel so overwhelmed. You got to talk to somebody. That's my opinion. No, I, 
I feel it. Yeah. Um, so something else that I learned, I agree, piggybacking off that, mm-hmm. is believe in people with what they say, yeah. which I have struggled with to this point, but no but. And I need to start believing people. Believing people for, you know your emotional state. I'm not above you. I'm not below you. I'm right beside you. I believe you. What do you need in this situation? Of course, that applies to my friends and family. Not me believing you, but me give you a certain level of support is for the people in my circle. Because again, another part that she talked about, which again, I feel ties all of this stuff together. You need boundaries for all of this stuff too. Ooh. You have to have boundaries in yeah. order to be able to, to have empathy and compassion, empathy, compassion, yeah. have a not necessarily have awareness, but yeah, kind of yeah. to have awareness too. Yeah. Um, Learned about the near enemy and far enemies. Please please go into that for me. I would love to hear your interpretation of that. So near enemy and far enemy to me is almost a levels to synonyms almost is what I would say. Synonyms or analogies. And anybody who don't know what synonym is, it's words that have similar meanings. Yep. Correct? Yep. I just, again, I'll be struggling sometimes. So um the way she explained near enemy and far enemy is what is, again, it's almost similar to using the word synonym. What is a close enemy or, and again, I don't want to use the word enemy. What is a close, uh, and now I'm about to use synonym, villain, or what is a close person to watch out for in the emotional intelligence space that could be portraying this other feeling? But it's so similar to that feeling that it actually could be this on the villain side. It could be not a supportive person. It could be an enemy who is masking those feelings. And if that is that person's intention of doing that, then they are showing this feeling versus that feeling. That's how you kind of would segregate and differentiate between those two feelings. So I'll give a couple of examples of what he's talking about. A near enemy of connection is control. A near enemy of compassion is pity. A near in- enemy of empathy is sympathy so and even with the, with those things she just said i can show you i can show you compassion while pitying you yep is saying that and that's me, so close to that's you. me looking from above down on you you telling me i have an issue and i'm looking at you like oh my god poor you that sucks that you have that going on because i would never in my life experience that it must be hard down there at the bottom (laughs) slowly at the top it's lonely in the slums ain't it or the other two you said um control that was a big one that was a good bar that was a good underlying one for me for my ego and all things because you get real close a form of control is manipulation. Mm-hmm. Manipulation can manipulation be good? Mm. I I I think no. I think no. I okay. think I'm not saying is, I haven't used it. I'm yet. asking. I'm asking. Yeah. I, I guess I'm asking questions because I'm thinking out loud. When coaches are giving speeches and stuff to their team, is that a form of manipulation? When I'm trying to rile my team up to focus or do things. No, nah, I don't think so. Okay, what's that then? Uh, motivation. That's motivation. 
like trying to give motivation. Mm-hmm. To me, that's motivational speaking in some way. It's encouragement. It's empowerment. I wouldn't call it manipulation. Motivation is not a form of manipulation. Are you asking? Yeah, I'm asking. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm having a conversation. Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm, I'm asking a question. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I mean, you can. Yeah, you can You can be a motivational speaker who manipulates people. Yes. But to me, coaches, that specific example, that's just like saying preachers. Are they manipulating people to give money or come to church? Or No, I think they're trying to empower them and motivate them um, through through the words that they're using. Do some preachers manipulate people? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about people that actually manipulate yeah. people. I'm saying, like, can you motivate someone and manipulate them? Like, if I motivate you to, what, and like, yes. I, I, you can do both. You can, just like you can be showing compassion and show pity. You can motivate me and manipulate me. To me, the manipulation in that sense is more like your intentions, right? So when you start looking at my intentions is to get you to do something that I want you to do, but I'm going to give you this motivational speech as though it's to empower you. And really it's because I think you should do this. And I want you to do this. Okay. So I think it can be both. I think that form of manipulation is control. I agree. Yeah. That's I. I yeah, yeah, I that's agree. What you started with. I get you. I think ultimately, like when she kind of started talking about, um, like the manipulation and or or the control, she was just, just even saying like, and this was powerful to me. Advice giving can be control. Like, that's what I'm where I'm hitting at. Yeah. If, you, if advice giving. Or again, me trying to motivate you to even do what I say you say you want to do. I'm trying to motivate you on what you say for me to hold you accountable. Does that fall in the same playground? I don't know. I'm not going to call it manipulation, but I will say that it can be controlling. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So again, those are things that I've I've learned. I definitely will rewatch it, I'm sure, as I keep moving through different phases of my life, different words will, will stand out and, and mean more to me. Um, what's something you feel like that I could grow from? Uh, I think it's all, we already kind of discussed it, just the empathy and compassion. I knew it would resonate with you um, in general, uh, just because I know you struggle there. And I just, our, our dynamic as well. So I think uh, that section, and I, I, I knew once you watched it, you would get what you needed from it. So I had no doubt. But that would probably be my section that I would be like, yeah, I think parents could benefit from that. How about you? Why? I think you've done the same thing. I, uh, I when I saw the reverence section, I knew you would really feel something in that area. And also, I think, again, we've already talked about this, the boundaries mm-hmm. area. Yeah. The, the boundaries area is so important because it's such at the root of things. Mm-hmm. So... Not only the boundaries, but for some reason, and I could, only you can tell me how you feel, if this is accurate. I feel like the resentment area, too, is something that Mm. would have spoken a lot to you. Mm -hmm. And when I say resentment, if I'm being specific about it, inside of the boundary area, I feel there may be moments in different dynamics where you may resent yourself for not doing something differently, like speaking up for your boundary or explaining your boundary different or whatever it may be again around the boundary area. Well, so I, I felt I definitely got a bar there that I wanted to get off and I'm glad we got to resentment finally, but uh resentment is like there's a knife to your throat but you're holding it. Uh it's part of envy. 
like resentment actually comes from somebody. I think she thought it came from like rage or mad uh, resentment, but it's actually in the family of envy because you are envying that someone else gets to do what you wish you could be doing. So like uh, when a lot of wives, I think, struggle with the emotion of resentment, like my husband gets to come home and sit on the couch and not do anything and the kids are driving me nuts. It's almost envy, and you're resenting your husband or your spouse for that, and really it's the envy of, I wish I could come home and sit and do nothing, and the kids wouldn't drive me crazy. So that was, it was powerful. Like, that that was powerful for me in a lot of ways. Um, anytime I do feel resentment or uncomfortable, I think about that now, like, you really just want that for yourself, so how can you get that for yourself and not be mad for that person? No shot, what is it called? Shot and frog? No shot in fraud zone. Right. No shot in fraud zone, right? I'm not going to be uh, trying to- I was honestly going to find a sign and buy it and try and put it up here somewhere. <laughs> no shot in fraud zone. Yeah. Like, I'm a duality kind of person. I, I like a little shot in fraud. I can't front. Yeah. Right now, I do. Uh, I, I can't front. And, yeah. and maybe, again, it might not be shot in fraud that I like. Nah, it's probably shot in fraud. Because I'm thinking, Charlemagne says it all the time, he- and I don't necessarily enjoy this, but I enjoy aspects, something similar to this type. He enjoys going to comedy clubs to see comedians bomb. Yeah, that's shot and fraud. Yeah, no, that's shot and fraud for sure. 100%. Now, wow. don't get me wrong. I can still see the funny in that. It's funny to see some some people bomb. That is funny. I, I don't disagree <laughs> in that. Now, what the word is for yeah. laughing at the, not that that person feels embarrassment, but just the, I don't know, the situation itself, it's still, it's a funny piece in there. The awkwardness of yeah. it, not I that, you. not that you not gonna you feel feeling. bad, yeah. not that you, oh my God, that you're hurt. No, not laughing at that. It's almost laughing if somebody trips, somebody falling. Yes, them hitting the ground and maybe if they broke their leg or something, none of that is funny. Them falling? Sometimes that stuff is hilarious. How, how you How fall, you man, fail uh, and stuff, all of this. <laughs> Yeah, so I understand the, the intersectionality, the duality go. of those on, things. Don't let me get some big words on me now. <laughs> uh, ultimately, I think this was just a, a video series full of information. I recommend probably everybody I come in contact with uh, two Brene Brown things, Atlas of the Heart and the Power of Vulnerability. Those two uh, videos are just they were life-changing for me. This series was life-changing as well. Um, so those would be my last words. You got any last words, man? Um, it's tough because you naturally know some people are going to watch those videos and use those words for manipulation, for yeah. control, for power. Um, and it's nothing you can do about it. If people have those intentions, if they want to take things like this, 48 Laws of Power, and use it to get themselves to a place use it for evil you 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 can't no, you there's can nothing you can do about it but yeah. equip yourself to be prepared to recognize it when it when it's happening yeah. um yeah I, I i learned a lot and I'm, I'm glad we keep going i'm glad with the flow and order that we're going right now because like i said i think this is going to bleed into our next topic of awareness Absolutely. um i definitely will even reference this episode with how yogi lg brought broke down once you learn what those terminologies are, she put a label on the name of what she's feeling. Now in those moments when she's saying, I feel resentment, you can figure out what do I want to do now that I'm aware of it? I cannot be, 
my brain can't go back to not being aware of it. Now I have that moment to make now, a decision. What's your do choice? I want to do something differently? Yep. What's your choice? How can I grow? How what can I do? That's what all awareness is gonna be. How can you figure that out for yourself? So beautiful series and it's and it's full alignment with what we got going on over here. Absolutely. If I had any other last words, uh make sure you subscribe. If you aren't subscribed, we announced it last time. We're gonna keep announcing it till it dropped. And even when it dropped, we're gonna talk about it. Come on now. We having a midlife crisis. We having our first of. We having our first one. So our first, our first midlife. Crisis. We having our first midlife it's crisis. Early midlife, but it's very midlife. early midlife crisis. For You'll sure. be able to hear. It. We call it a mixtape. <laughs> but it is a midlife crisis recorded. Uh, Zen trappers, not rappers, coming soon. Can't wait. Real soon. Real soon. Real soon. 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 All right. Uh, this has been another ZTP Zen Trap Perspective. I'm one of your two hosts, Yogi LG. Zen P, if you can't do nothing else, make sure you protect your peace. Protect your energy. It's the Zen Trap. Yup. Go to the website, buy some merch, man. Zentrappers.com. Welcome to the trap.